here's your host, the big silly. Chad Dukes. Charlie Hotel. Alpha Delta. Yeah, Dukes. Dig it. They're about corporation value. It's the Chad Duke Show, broadcasting live from the Fortress of Solid Dudes, presented by Monk's Barbecue in Percival. So excited for this, I'd say, bonus segment that we have this week. Movie that I've been looking forward to, well, since I saw the trailer. Uh, looks like so much fun, and I, I tweeted about how much the trailer was uh, entertaining and cool. And then one of the producers actually tweeted me back and said, hey, thanks. <laughs> we worked pretty hard on that movie. And he joins me right now on the Monk's Barbecue Hotline. Jeff Katz is with me. And uh, man, it's really cool to have you on the show. Thanks so much for making the time. It's got to be really busy for you right now. Well, it was. You know, I love the fact that we were going to try to do it about 15 minutes earlier, but I had to finish the latest episode of Picard. <laughs> so I was like, I can't, I can't do this yet. I have to finish, which is a... Uh, it's quite a statement on my social life at the moment that I've got to get up early to finish the latest Star Trek episode. Well, before someone ru- before someone ruins it for you, I would assume. Well, that was the whole thing is I've gotten to know uh, some of the guys involved in the show. Because I, I think we've talked about this a bit online. I, I love old Star Trek, have not watched any of the new. Uh, it's generally not been for me the little bits I've sampled. But enough friends I trusted were like, no, you need to do this season. You need to do this season. And they were right. The season is great. And so this is the next to last episode. And they were like, no, you got to stay offline. And they were right. They were correct to do it. I will say, I know you're a fan fan. of Next Gen. The last 10 minutes of last week, last 10 minutes of this week, you you will need a cigarette and multiple pairs of pants. (laughs) Well, that's the problem is. I'm so emotionally attached to those characters because I've just run through those seven seasons so many times that what I'm worried about is, I mean, season two of Picard is one of the most disappointing things of my life because like they have, and that's the sad thing to say, but you know, you've got all these people, including Patrick Stewart playing this role again, and they, they wasted it. Was, it was, you know, they sacrificed the entire season to the altar of whatever message they were trying to get across. And I'm like, I, I don't know if I can go back. And yeah, this is a completely, these are different writers. It's a, I, I, I went through this entire thing. Right. I watched the first episode of discovery when it aired and I was like, this is not for me. <sighs> And I watched the first episode of season one of Picard, and I was like, this is so morose and dreary. I don't want to see Picard like this. And I had to be convinced to sample this most recent. This is basically, it's so clearly written by people that love TNG and Deep Space Nine and Voyage, really the whole run of that era. Um, And it is, I don't know if you know the concept of member berries from South Park at all. Sure. Uh, It is is one of the best uses of it I've ever seen. Again, like, I had all the concerns you have. I have the same aversion to the message, as our friend the Critical Drinker puts it. Um, <laughs> I, I, this doesn't do that. If this is what you want. I think you're going to be happy. How is uh, Silver Daddy Worf? The, the second I saw the promo shot of him with the bat lift and the, and the big Silver Raiden wig, I was so excited. I love Michael. Yo, he's great. Uh, Worf, uh, R- Riker, I think, has been the, the MVP thus far. Yeah. Um, it's, if you want to see Riker in full captain form, you will not be. I love, by the way, there's a, a significant segment of your audience going, what the hell are these guys talking about? <laughs> I don't know, man. But yeah, you'll, you'll, um, I don't think you'll be disappointed, man. It's, it's, they, they get the characters. It feels like the characters you'll see a couple things that are lifts from the original series movies 
that would maybe bug you under lesser hands, but because of how they've been handled, they're good. It's, it's good. It's, I I'm going to give you the highest. I only watch old TV shows and old movies at this point. Okay? Yeah, I agree. So, so for me to be like, oh, I have appointment viewing for a new TV show, like that does not happen. So that should tell you, like, it's good. Brother, I'll run through the whole series then this weekend. Yeah, the, the yeah ringing... there's one episode left after today. Okay. Uh, well, that's, I think that's why, I mean, look, we don't have to go down this, this rabbit hole, but I don't think it's a secret why Top Gun Maverick made a billion dollars is because it's what we're talking about here. I think a lot right. of people are just looking for entertainment, which, which brings us to the Pope's Exorcist and... I, I've become a, a bit of a Rotten Tomatoes whisperer, and I can tell when critics don't th – there's a line of thinking where it's like, well, I have to be standoffish about X, Y, and Z. And they're trying to implement a little bit of that in the reviews for this movie, but they also – surprisingly, are acknowledging, A, it's a lot of fun, B, there's a lot of humor in it there they weren't expecting, and C, Russell Crowe kills it in this role. I, I got my tickets to go see this thing on Saturday. I have not seen it yet, but if the critics are acknowledging that, Jeff, I imagine the audience score is going to be in the high 90s. I, yeah, I, you never know, and I don't. I think you know. I, I'm obviously always more interested in audience than critics, not just given the virtue of the movies I make. But I, I did actually say this to uh, one of my producing partners when the reviews first started. I was like, if even the trades are like Russell Crowe's really good in this, there's a lot of fun humor. I, I think you know, I have to think that generally speaking, with sort of middle American audiences, et cetera, it would play. I would also say you bring up Maverick. Um, it's not an accident in this movie. We have no modern politics. We did it very intentionally because even stuff that I agree with, I'm sick of it. I don't want to get beat over the head yeah. when I want to be entertained. And so we really made a point to do that. I think the industry's maybe moving a little bit more in that direction. I think, frankly, it's a lot about who the combinations of talent are involved in a project and that that will dictate. Um, but so if, yeah, if you're, if you are looking to go to a movie to kind of have a good time, I, I will say Empire Magazine, uh, I think made one of the smartest comments about the movie, which is it's a buddy priest movie. I oh, think man. the thing that people will surprise with, it's really, um, Julius Avery, our director would point to a Clint Eastwood, Charlie Sheen movie called the rookie oh, as, man. as his inspiration. <laughs> I would point more, uh, but my last great mentor in show business was a, a guy named Dick Donner and okay. Dick did. Lethal Weapon, yeah. The Omen, The Goonies, Screw. I mean, just yeah, an incredible. He did the Twilight Zone episode with Shatner that did, inspired the John Lithgow beat in the movie. Um, and, you know, Lethal Weapon, particularly for me, like like the, the humor and the buddy cop element, It's that's really what it is. And I think that will probably take some people by surprise. I think that for... It is. It's ultimately it's an exorcism related movie made by people that don't really love The Exorcist, <laughs> and so that allowed us the freedom to kind of go like, no, we're gonna go make. Uh, yeah, we're making it exciting. It's a buddy priest film. I love that Richard Donner is just Dick Donner to you. Uh, for a second, I was like, oh, he means Richard Donner, the greatest director that maybe that's ever well, he lived. Was for not just that. He was he was Doctor Donner or Don Dicker. If you knew him well, he was Don Dicker, <laughs> and uh, which which was his email, might I ask, Don Dicker. <laughs> I did uh, work well, he, that's for sure. He was a great dude. Dick Donner was the sort of guy, man. We we were, a quick story, we were sitting in Australia and like an island in like a rainstorm one night and sitting in his trailer. I got to spend a year work. I loved him. Wonderful guy. And I love, I think his most underrated movie is the movie Maverick with Mel Gibson and it's James Garner movie. and Jodie Foster. It's a very underrated movie. And he had not, he's, he's like me, in that once the movie's out, like, I'll theater hop a little this weekend, and then I'll never watch it again. It's, it's, I just, I don't do that. Uh, and so he had not seen the movie 
since it got released. So we sat him down and had dinner and he gave uh, Derek Hoffman, who was working for him and I, a running audio commentary of the movie the wow. first time he'd seen it in like 20 years. And it was just awesome. He was incredible. And I think that the humor and the warmth and all of that, A, was true to the real A. Morris, the guy that Russell's playing, who was a real guy. But a lot of that for me from an editorial post-production, that comes from the time of Dick. It was just an incredible guy. That's an unbelievable story. Is that commentary... Was that recorded? Is that something people? No, can... he was just shooting the shit with us. Shit. He smoked a joint, I think, and was like, you know, it was, uh, incredible. Dude, just what a great experience guy. that must have been. Yeah, I've been very lucky. I, I have, you know, I, I, um, you know, I frankly, I don't care if I ever make another movie again. I've always sort of done that. I've, every movie that gets made is a miracle, <laughs> uh, particularly now. Um, it, that's what people, it's hard to make a bad movie that flops. So to have a movie that this movie, I have zero concern. We'll find an audience. It's already finding one overseas. I anticipate it'll find one here. Um, even if it takes digital and I'm like, it'll Russell's so good. It'll find it. And so at that point, it's, it's, it's like sending your kid out to go to college. Yeah. It's sort of like you've prepared them the best way you can. And then you just kind of hope they don't get drunk and fall out of a dorm, a frat party window. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I've been very lucky um, and lived so many of my dreams in doing that. Honestly, at this point, it's all kind of house money. So yeah, like it's, it's to get, they say, don't meet your heroes, but like they did not meet Dick Donner. Yeah, well, I got in that vein. I, I was lucky enough to a buddy of mine is a director, and he cast me in this this comedy with John Hader that's coming out hopefully this year. Um, and it was an amazing experience because I've been a movie fan my whole life and never had any illusions of being in a movie. But I got to meet a couple of you know actors you would know, and one of them notably I would say was I'll be kind and say standoffish. And so that's when I ask you this question, Russell Crowe to me in every interview I've ever seen him in on social media, um, he seems just like an infinitely likable guy. And I know that that's naive because he's an actor and he's performing and and it doesn't really matter. I enjoy his product. So he doesn't need to be a certain he doesn't need to fit into a box for me to go see this movie. But I know that I got the sense from talking to you beforehand that not only was he a pleasure to work with, that he was the guy you're hoping that he is. Is that fair to say? Yeah, he is. I'll tell you, the first time I ever met Russell Crowe in actuality, I was in Australia on a movie, uh, and uh, I was my one of the guys on the crew had never had a burrito, and I was what? like, "Oh man, I'm dying for a burrito." I'd been there for months, and some ex a guy from Huntington Beach had opened a burrito stand in Kings Cross in Sydney. So I took him for lunch. I said, oh, "I'm going to buy you a burrito. Let's go have one." And we go outside to go start eating. And there's like two homeless guys talking and they're in the middle of the conversation, da 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 And, you know, we start eating and we realize, wait a minute, well, one guy's a homeless guy. The other guy's Russell Crowe. <laughs> <laughs> they're just chatting, kind of just having a random convo. So we talked to him for a couple of minutes. He's a Michigan football fan. I'm a Michigan <laughs> State football fan. Uh -oh. um, and so it was like, ah, you know, I just like, hey, we appreciate you're a Big Ten fan, da 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 uh, And so he's just kind of a regular guy. I mean, it's hard to... I've been friends with enough actors and I've worked with enough big actors. To, it's hard to stay completely sane in the middle of that kind of world because you have, I mean, it's just, it's, it's not real. It's not the real world. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm friends with Shia LaBeouf and I had to watch him go through what he went through and come out the other side of it. Um, and to do that young, particularly. So I think all things considered what you see with, with RC now is like, he likes to be on the farm. He's got a gigantic spread, uh, you know, I think maybe like an hour and a half. I think it's north of Sydney. Um, we did a ton of the press stuff from down there. He just, 
Oh yeah, he owns like a, a rugby league team. He's kind of a he, he's the sort of guy who I think likes regular people more than Hollywood people. And I think generally speaking, that speaks well of you. If that's yeah. your if that's your case, I'm skeptical when it's the other way around. How much do you think it is? Because if you get inside of kind of this static warp bubble where everybody feels the same way and agrees with you, you'll find yourself kind of falling victim to that. But I got lots of friends that don't agree with me politically, and I we, we, we all get along. It doesn't feel like it's that way in Hollywood. How, how much of it is just because you're you're pretending for a living like you're on this movie set where the food is delivered and you have this much time and then you'll be sitting in this chair over here and then you're in the honey wagon for this many hours waiting for you know lighting to set it's just such a you're removed from the real world so much do you, do you think that plays a huge role in the fact that you know what you're talking about there's not a lot of regular guys you see just bumming around you know looking like a homeless person on the set of a film yeah I, listen I'll, I'll be very frank with you i think that one of the real hollywood's completely broken it's disconnected from the audience it's the only business other than the folks in washington dc that actively uh, tell large swaths of their paying customers to go f themselves (laughs) and then they wonder why aren't they buying tickets why aren't they going to the movies so i made a real point in doing this movie uh to and and to sony's credit because some of it was not natural to them they they went with it to really try to go right to the audience and to you know, to me, the idea of like we're going to send an actor on a late night talk show with like Colbert or Fallon, like nobody watches that stuff. The right. People that do watch it, it's the same. Like, I don't find that stuff funny at this point. There's nothing remotely anti-establishment about it. Like, like George Carlin is kind of rolling in his grave. Johnny Carson as well. Johnny Carson would take shots at everybody, and so the audience is not there anymore. And like, so we put Russell. Critical Drinker, who is a, a, a very popular YouTube movie commentator, has got only uh, maybe 1.7 million subscribers. We put Russell on there for 25 minutes. That thing's going to have 700,000 views by the end of opening weekend, probably. And the people wow. watch the whole thing. We have a thing going on today. There's another YouTube channel called The Y Files. They do like esoteric, um, mysterious. It's a great channel. Uh, they have about 2 million subscribers. They did a Father Amorth exorcism special. They're dropping that today. That'll do a million views in three days. And the numbers and the length of viewing time and the demos, they blow anything on network television away that you would normally send an actor to promote on. And so I think that if... Like what we did with WrestleMania, even that is something that was not naturally intuitive to them. But you've got to go like that's a global event. That was awesome. The eyeballs and and so to me, that is. I, I, I was like, I'm going to drag you to where the audience I think is. We'll see if if, if it works. I think, it, like I said, I think it will. Uh, you know, I think we're we're in a pretty good position where, like, particularly between our theatrical and now in a world where you get digital so quickly after that your theatrical marketing campaign is actually also a campaign for digital. Like I have a writing credit on this movie. So in some ways it actually behooves me for it to overperform on DVD. Now it's sort of a weird logic. Like it's, it's go to the audience, go to places where these things, hot ones, the, the wing show, they sure. understand this, let these views accumulate and they're going to drive. Um, you know, I made this point of like WrestleMania. Uh, I grew up as a fan of that business, and even though I'm casual now, I, you know, I grew up loving it. And I understand the audience well enough to know that, you know, WrestleMania, that's a show they go back and revisit. Oh, it's now it's this year's WrestleMania. I'm going to go do highlights from the last ones. Oh, every year that thing is going to get repackaged. And clearly online, people were into it. So it's, oh, that's the Russell Crowe's thing with Edge's entrance to Slayer. And, and what that does is, oh, you know, I never saw that movie. I should watch it. Or, oh, I should rewatch that movie. Or, oh, I should go, re-, you know, it's, it's, 
these things, someone who discovers the Critical Drinker Review in six months goes, oh, that's on Apple right now. I'll go rent that. Um, that's where the audience is now. And I think Hollywood has really lost touch of that. It's really it's a long-winded way to answer that. Yeah, it's a bubble mentality. And snapping that bubble, whether it's politically, how you deal with an audience, uh, or how you market to an audience, is tough. But once, you, once the bubble's popped, like, I guarantee you, I've already had a call from another movie asking, hey, how, how was dealing with the drinker? And we had another studio with a movie four times our budget saying, can you connect us to the WWE guys that did your thing for Mania this year? So other studios want someone else has done it first. They're cowards. So, oh, you did it. And someone that's why you have all these remakes. OK, it's sure. because someone else thought it or it has to be based on a comic or whatever, because it's the it's they're also scared of losing their phony baloney jobs that basically it becomes, like, oh, someone else thought this was a good idea. And we're spending on before me. I can. It's, it's a. It's a security blanket. I think it's cowardly. When I was an executive, I always tried to deal with it like I was a baseball manager. I got two years in this job. Everything else is gravy, and I'm playing to get fired. And that's how you end up making more interesting stuff. Um, and I think that that's been lost to a large. Level. I also just frankly, the people making movies are not as they're not movie people the right. way they used to be. No, I would agree with that completely. And just to your point about the way that you're going to see those residuals from that WWE, it, it wasn't just Russell Crowe. There, there is a clip going around of Paul Heyman uh, and Roman Reigns talking in the press conference. And I've seen it 7 million times scroll up on my Facebook feed and just all the different places that it pops up. And all behind it is the Pope's exorcist. Like the, 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 yeah, the, not, not an accident. No, not at all. And it's like that is – that clip, you know, you don't ever know what's going to go viral. It's got 13 million views. I'm like ticking off all the things that Roman Reigns is accomplishing. Every time somebody watches it, whether it's subliminal or it's right there, there's the logo for the movie. So it points exactly to what you're talking about. And I was, listen, I was very lucky in the fact I've known Nick Khan, who runs that company, sure. I've known for 20 years, and Triple H, I've known for 20 years, just independently. So, and Stephanie as well. So that was a situation where. The minute we had our, our original release date, which was actually this past Friday, and then we bumped because we knew Mario was going to be gigantic. Uh, the minute we had that release date, which was a week before we started shooting, I called WWE and I was like, hey, that's mania season. Let's talk. And, you know, it, that, that personal relationship certainly helps. But yeah, all those like Kevin Dunn, Craig Stimmel, all those, they took such good care of us. And to your point, yeah, that. You know, the in some ways that we were at the show, that it was great. They, they, I was able to go take a bunch of my friends. I took my ex girlfriend who'd never even seen wrestling before. It was awesome. Uh, and you know, they, uh, that clip, uh, you, you know, you make it very good subliminally, even over time, it just people will go back. Oh, okay, again, I, oh, that movie, yeah, 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 I never saw that. Oh, I should go revisit that. Oh, whatever. and so it's. It's a long game, and I think that's the game. Listen, part of the challenge, part of the fun for us, and I've done this. I do this with Snakes on a Plane. Like, Snakes on a Plane, two or three times a year, there is still some reference to it nationally. I get pings all over the place from da-da-da-da-da. It will never go away. It is in the Museum of Modern Art in New York's permanent collection, okay? The title here, excuse me, the title here, uh, part of our challenge is you're always going to have The Exorcist, Right now, because I think we've seeped this into the zeitgeist enough, whether you like the movie, don't like the movie, whatever, it's always going to kind of be referenced. When, when those Exorcist remakes come out later in the year, they're doing three of them, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, uh, you know somewhere someone's going to go, oh, I miss funny Russell Crowe. And so that, <laughs> that, that's our job, and I think we've done it. Well, the, the meme of him on the motor scooter with the big trench yes. coat, I mean, that's already – people are using that and having nothing to do with promoting the movie. And then – 
You know, it's always depressing to me, Jeff. You probably feel the same way that that well by clip where Powers Booth is, you know, in Tombstone. He's playing Curly Bill Brosh, who's one of the greatest characters I've ever seen. Like people don't know what that's from. They just know it because they type in well by into the gift search on Twitter and it pops up. So then they gotta figure out oh where where is that movie from? And I think that'll happen with, with Russell Crowe leaning on that scooter years to come. I th- listen, all I can say to you is in the movie itself, it's maybe my favorite music drop of any movie I've ever done. <laughs> we have him on the scooter to Faith No More, uh, uh, We Care A Lot, and oh, it's man. very good. I can't wait. Uh, and I, I sh- faith, big credit to Faith No More, because the minute they saw it, they were like, oh, yeah, we, you can use that. <laughs> that is great. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, the, credit the, for that. The Popes-Exorcist movie uh, on the web. You can go find where tickets everywhere. I, I plugged it in playing at my Alamo. I'm going to go see it there. Another part of this, though, Jeff, I think that's important for moviegoers, people that are willing to go pay money for tickets. This is a rated R horror movie. And and the fact that Smile did what it did and Black Phone, uh, I throw the menu in there. It, it's wonderful to see like singular IPs. I mean, Scream 6, I didn't enjoy it, but, it, you know, whatever. Rated R horror. But those, those movies that are one-offs that are there... I want more of those. Like, I want them to be successful. So the studio is like, you think they're not open-minded people. So it's like, hey, a guy like you can go to them and say, there, there is an audience for this type of film still out there. We just need to placate them. And I hope that's why people like, don't say, ah, I'm just going to wait for it on, you know, video on demand. Get up and go see it in a movie theater. Then maybe we continue to get more movies like this. Yeah, I mean, I think my hope is that as people particularly learn, A, how good Russell is in the movie, and that it's actually got a sense of humor. And I will, it's got... It's got there's blood, there's breasts. It's I, I will give you everything you need in terms of the R-rated movie, um, but I do think that also in terms of you, the Maverick point in the middle of the country, particularly here, if you're someone, first of all, let me just say this: to get a movie through today with no modern politics, an older white guy who never once gets lectured, right. who, like, who is he's flawed and he's got stuff to overcome, so he's far from perfect, but like there's nothing toxic about his masculine, like. This is like making Easy Rider, okay, today, because this is not what the studios they they are looking for ways to make them, you know, the message. Sure. Well, I don't want to do that. I just want to entertain you. That's the only message I have is this is entertaining, and I think that hopefully as that spreads around and that it's a movie, you know, except if you like Russell Crowe, it's his best character since The Nice Guys, certainly, which is a good movie. It's a good flick. Uh, it's, yeah, if you've not seen that movie, I'd recommend it. Um, and he's just very funny in it. And it's not dissimilar in the sense that in The Nice Guys, obviously, he had great chemistry with Ryan Gosling. He's got great chemistry with Danny Zavato, who plays the sort of the younger, the Charlie Sheen uh, figure in, in this movie. Uh, and so, yeah, I think that yeah, I have zero concern whatsoever about it finding an audience along its run, particularly given how everything works with the, the truncated window now. Um, but I will say it's like I, it's the first time like Russell's like I have never made a movie uh, a sequel in sixty movies. This is the first one where I'm like yeah I would like to be. He, he would have liked to have done a Master and Commander sequel. It didn't happen. Uh, and he would like to do a sequel to this. So if hopefully if it works, we will. The idea I think is we're going to try to drop him into like live and let die serpent in the rainbow territory. Man. And, and like yeah we'll do because the whole point is to make him Kolchak the Night Stalker so he can do different sorts of super because you don't want to do exorcism movie after exorcism. Nah. You have to introduce that he has this. Um, again, like I don't particularly love the original Exorcist myself. I prefer Exorcist Three. So this was sort of unique in that we all have that kind of freedom to kind of like we don't. There is no. Um, it's not like if I was doing a shark movie because I love Jaws and I'd be like, oh god, I'm always in the, here. I don't. I understand other people would feel that. I don't feel that here. Okay. So it, I, it's odd. Well, did 
Did you? This is out of left field, but did you see the the last Halloween movie they made? Oh my God! So not only did I see it, it's funny. I did an interview with the National Paper of Scotland Bro. the other day, and I and I brought the movie up. It's they, they it was their least favorite movie of last year, apparently of all time. Uh, okay, so <laughs> I I went. It's funny. I went to the the night it came out. I went to dinner with our executives on this movie. Okay, because we just wrapped or whatever. It was we had a post wrap sort of meal, and. I had watched the movie and went right to dinner. And I said, that movie's going to drop 75% next weekend. And it did. It did drop 75, I think, on the dot. Um, that is, first of all, those are the guys doing the Exorcist remake. Which Get is out crazy. of here. Are you kidding me? Yeah, they're doing three of them. Oh, my uh, God. They're shooting three of them. I don't get how you're doing three without being guaranteed anything, but God bless. Um, and it's a brand name. They'll open it, certainly. But, like, okay. I, I, that Halloween movie... And I'm not blaming the kid because I don't think that kid's a bad actor. No. He kind of got a Tom Berenger thing going. It's not his fault. The hubris of like I made the point yesterday to someone. It's like it's it's like making Return of the Jedi and having it be about an alien in another galaxy you've never met before. But Luke Skywalker shows up for five minutes at the end. It's crazy. It, it was the most, and I and I don't like to get too. I, I feel like people get over dramatic and use too much hyperbole. No, this was crazy. It this was, was crazy. It was disrespectful. I, I mean, you, you, at least Halloween Kills is a bad movie, but at least at least it's Michael Myers eviscerating people for two and a half hours. Th this movie was so disrespectful to the fans of this franchise, and it's like it was made by people that not just didn't understand the film or what the films were about or what John Carpenter was trying to accomplish, but they had disdain for it. And that's why, I swear to God, dude, I'm not just saying this because you're on the phone. I went back on this show, and I screamed and yelled about Freddy vs. Jason, and I said... The, the, the people that made Freddy vs. Jason enjoy those characters. And it, it might be over the top, but they gave you exactly what you wanted with those two guys squaring off. This movie was made by people that might actually dislike the franchise and the people that enjoy it. I felt like an alien watching that movie. Yeah, listen, it's not an accident that the sequel to Freddy vs. Jason that we tried to get done was Freddy vs. Jason vs. Ash. Oh, man. Okay, I mean, we are all fans. We tried to get Halloween at one point, and I know the Akkads well. I knew Mustafa and I know Malik very well as a great guy. And I, you know, the Weinsteins, it would always be, oh, they're going to let it go, they're going to let it go. And then Bob and Harvey would do something, whatever they had to do to trigger the the option again. The, 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 there was like a development step they would have to do, and that would let them keep the rights. And even though they had no intention of making it, they'd spend the money. They, they didn't want to lose it. And the premise we talked about doing, and the Akkads were on board. So had this gotten to New Line, this would have been cool. Uh, so obviously, again, my issue with these new movies is eliminating Halloween two makes no sense. Cause why is he even chasing her? Like the logic of her character makes no sense. They're forgetting the fact Halloween H2O for all of its issues. That version of Laurie Strode is way more believable, way more relatable, Completely agree. way more like moved across the country, changed her name. Like, yes, I believe that. I don't believe this woman, Linda Hamilton in it. And then after her daughter gets killed going like, I'm going to move on. That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But the, the movie we were going to do was utilizing the, uh, the family thing. It's always been about bloodline prior to this stuff. Um, we were going to get, ideally we wanted Terrence Stamp or Brian Cox. So obviously, you know, on succession now or was. He's the best. Uh, uh, or Michael Caine. And the idea was that they were Donald Pleasance's brother. And just like how um, Michael Myers is the bad seed to Laurie Strode's good seed. Well, Dr. Loomis had a bad seed in his family. And it's the fact that's the reason why he went into the practice that he went into. And that bad seed gets out of prison 
in the form of Stamp, Kane, Cox, whoever, Jesus. and says, my brother is dead. Chasing this great white whale is what killed him. I've done a lot of bad things in my life. I'm going to do one good thing. I'm going to use what I know to go take out the thing that killed my brother, Michael Myers. And so he goes to Haddonfield. It's a revenge movie. And you have kids and caught in the middle, da 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 So you have a classic Halloween. But ultimately, it's bad seed against bad seed. So you get like Terrence Stamp and Michael Myers Holy going. Shit. It would have been so much fun. Who said no to that? Who? who no, just... we were all in. It, it had, had we gotten it, that was the version we were going to do. The Cods were in. It was only because the Weinsteins kept the rights. Is that why you know you don't know anything about Mortal Kombat? Do you? The, the Mortal, in Mortal Kombat, uh, Freddy has showed up, Jason has showed up, the Terminator, RoboCop, Rambo. The only guy they can't land is Michael Myers, and it's been like this, you know, sticking point with the fan base forever. And it sounds like they're probably dealing with the same things that you guys. No, in that in that case, for gaming again, I don't know what's tied up with the Blumhouse deal. That stuff should be. I think controlled by Malik because I believe they did have Michael in another game at one point, not Mortal Kombat. We tried at one point at New Line uh, to actually put together the the horror icon fighting game, and the rights were just crazy. It was it was going to be so expensive to do. Um, but they I, uh, weirdly Halloween. I love all these characters. Halloween. Michael's the one who actually scares me yeah. the most of the bunch. It's the blank mask or whatever. And I, um, yeah, I'm sorry that I'm sorry we didn't get to make that movie because it would have been really cool. But I, I just, in general, like if I'm gonna work on, uh, you know, I went through this um, with X Men because it was a, a bunch of fights on that. And it's like if you don't respect the fans, like what's the point of doing? They're gonna kill you. You have to. It's you're, you're running a political campaign, okay? Right. And in a it, it, in a primary, you have to play to your base, and then in a general, you move to the center. Right. So no one gets to the general if they don't play to their base in the primary. And I think that's the thing that's forgotten in Hollywood. And to me, that's always been kind of the rule. You imagine Terrence Stamp or Brian Cox or any of those guys in that role would have been. I mean, that just would have been done gangbusters. It just would have been different. Yeah. We, I love the limey. I love Get Carter. I love a good revenge movie. Um, it just would have been different. And I think cool. All right. Uh, this movie uh, that you made looks like a lot of fun. I'm excited for you. Um, as far as what you need to do for them to say, okay, maybe we make another one. Have they drawn a line in the sand? H how does that work in the modern era where the box office is still important, but if people are paying five ninety nine, you know, a month later, video on demand, I imagine that's important too. Like, how does it work out where you you know wake up in a couple of weeks and you're like, ah, we're getting some emails about potentially keeping this thing going. I, you know, I think for us, it's given how different the business is now. I mean, we'll have a sense this weekend, but I also think that, again, I, I think probably six weeks is my sense. Just given the here, here's the real question to me. So they just did this. There was an article in IndieWire the other day. Uh, what were the movies? It was Creed three, sixty five, and Shazam. All got moved, and all you know, varying levels of success. Right, right. Uh, what huge hit, moderate hit, not so much, and uh, basically, uh, all of them got moved up their digital dates from what had been originally planned. I am going to. I don't know anything. I'm going to assume they're going to do that to us, barring you catching some crazy level of legs in the in the middle of the country. Okay. Okay. So if that happens. Again, I'm in favor of probably moving it up strategically because I'm just looking at like, um, like we'll do better than 65 because that was an, uh, you know just a tracking to tracking. We're doing better than them. I know that going in, and that's number two on purchases on Apple right now. Wow. I think it's in top three on all of them. So the, 
I, that movie's expensive, so I don't think you're making a sequel to that movie. This movie's not. And so I think if we, as long as we're solid domestically uh, and do the commiserate number digital, I, we got a good shot because we're overperforming in Latin American countries overseas as it is. We have the highest horror opening in India since pre-pandemic. Like, there's clearly... I've seen enough comments online, and again, I'll skim more this weekend of people saying they would see another, et cetera. So, I, I, my guess is six weeks, but I could again. It's, it's. I don't know that the guys on Shazam, as an example, had would ever have expected to have had that thing moved up as fast as it was. Sure. So things change. Uh, one of the best pieces of advice I've gotten during this process, just given how much the business has changed is that you almost have to take these days in half-day increments because stuff changes so fast. Um, but I think we look pretty good. I would You would expect this to be a pretty solid home entertainment performer. And th- what I also think is interesting is that they, you know, in the old days, um, a movie would come out, it would go to DVD or Blu-ray or whatever, right? And then it would go to HBO it would, or Showtime, or you would have that pay cable slot. Sony sold the pay cable slot to Netflix. And so... Instead of going to HBO, it'll take longer, but it will go to Netflix first. Hmm. And so if you go in their top 10, I don't have Netflix anymore, but I talk to the Sony guys. Their top 10, often it's Sony product because it's what you're finding is these movies and you're seeing all these other studios reversing course on this. These guys were like, we're going to dump the movie to Peacock or to HBO Max. No, 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 no. Go theatrical, and even if you're just a solid performer, how you could bomb theatrically. And what it does is it lifts the tail on every other one of those steps. Wow! And so in Sony's case, because of the Bullet Train or where the Crawdads thing, I think you'll see this with sixty five when it gets there. They all linger in the top ten on Netflix as a result because of the theatrical marketing spend. So I do, you know, if you like going to movie theaters. The two guys who really they should build statues to in every movie theater in the world. Tom Cruise is one of them. James obviously. Cameron. Uh, uh, no, Cameron left. Yes, as well, but he was after the fact. The theaters were already saved. Okay. Tom Rothman, who runs Sony. Okay. Because had Sony said we're going to just go digital first, they were the one real studio holdout that said we're only going theatrical. They were the one. And so that now is what every other studio is emulating. And had they not done it, the dam, I think, probably would have broken forever. I was so excited Tom Cruise didn't go to the Academy Awards after seeing what cleaned up at the Academy Awards. Then Maverick was pretty much a shutout. I'm like, the entire goddamn show should have been them sending Tom Cruise edible arrangements, uh, the chocolate-covered ones, because Yeah, of- I, don't, I mean, the Oscars are a joke. They're a marketing event. But, like, if you're going to really try to honor – you don't want to honor the movie that saved the movie business, it's a joke. So I don't I, – unless I have friends who are up and are winning, I'm happy for that. But other than that, I don't take it seriously. It's, it is – it was invented to be a marketing event. That was why it was – Louis B. Mayer created it. That was I, the entire, to keep stars in line and to market the movies. That I, 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 I got to ask you, you guy that makes movies, last question for you, and I apologize. I've kept you way yeah, too no, long. All good. Um, 65. I went and saw it. Uh, I was not offended by it. It's I like movies that aren't here's another Fast and the Furious. You know what I mean? Like here's another fucking MCU movie. So I wanted to go see that in the movie theater and pay the 12 bucks. I what you don't have to pay any licensing fees for dinosaurs like dinosaurs are as universally known and beloved as Spider-Man as Superman as any of this shit. And there are not any dinosaur movies. And when they are. 
they're kind of scoffed at. Why hasn't some studio said, look, we don't just have to keep making bad Jurassic World movies. Like, these are horrible. Let's do so. Like, 65 is slow and it misses in a couple of places, I think. But at least it's, hey, we got a guy with a laser gun fighting dinosaurs. That's going to get sure. a certain amount. How come dinosaurs? This sounds like a rube question, but you don't have to pay anything to use them. They're common law. Why, why aren't there more dinosaur movies? The, first of all, I have not seen 65. It's not like bad. When I, was a studio, when I was a studio executive, if I had gotten that pitch, it's probably a pitch I would have bought for that exact reason. Yeah. So I'm not, you know, I'm not, I, I ain't not going to. I, um, I think in actuality it's fear. And the fear is, is Jurassic. It's, we can't compete with that. We can't, it's, it's, um, it's a town that operates on fear in general in its best days. Okay. Now these are not its best days. So that's compounded, but that's the reason why, You'll see so much like, oh, we're going to Sherlock Holmes. We're going to do how many versions of Robin Hood? How many versions of King Arthur? Because these public domain sorts of titles, uh, I think that to a large level, they look at the Jurassic movies and it's because it's Spielberg related. They don't want to cross him, which is ridiculous. Um, I mean, I had Spielberg take a project of mine hostage once for like a year. It, 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 there are a lot of people who have those stories and then he doesn't do it. So like, what are we doing? Um, it. I was on the the version of Iron Man that was Spielberg and Tom Cruise. Wow. Uh, and that you could not like the budget on that movie. What did you could the, the studio never could make money on that movie. It was so crazy. Uh, just cause they're both, they get so much money uh, right out the, the door. Um, but yeah, honestly it's fear. And I, I hate giving you that answer, but it's the truth. And it's an indictment of the industry. Um, but again, it goes back to why are there so many remakes? Why are there so many sequels? Why? Uh, listen, is there anybody? In, I have two friends that work at Lucasfilm. I love them. I root for them, etc. Is there anybody in the world that is clamoring for a uh, Ray Star Wars? Oh my movie? God, no. Anyone? No. Not not even the the fake. They, they, I don't want to get into it. But so but the they, only reason to make that movie is fear. It's just on, and then the, those three movies. First of all, they're terrible. But then, like, they haven't. I aged. never even saw the last one. I didn't even see the last one. They don't even age well. Like, I mean, even the the, the most you know straightforward fanboys they are going to be apologetic. None of them really get up on a bully pulpit the way I remember the prequels taking place. And then you're going to go back to that. Well, you have a chance to make a fresh break and do something else with this universe that everyone's interested in, and you decide, no, no, let's go dip our toe in for a fourth time into this monstrosity. Uh, it's, a, it's a dead franchise. I have no, I, I um, if you had said to me years ago, Hey, they're going to make the final three star Wars movies and you will not even, you, you're not going to go see the last one opening day in the theater, but you're not even going to see it at all. I would have been like, what? Yeah. But I, I'm not interested in star Wars unless it comes from George Lucas, to be very honest with you. I, I just, it's, uh, that's sort of what I've realized. And you know, I um, I don't blame him for selling. I met him once uh, at a wedding, actually, at the Lucas Ranch, which was wild. Wow. And you could tell kind of it was sort of a prison for him in a, in a way. <laughs> and you felt for him. Um, there's a gilded cage. Yeah. And so I – but I – you know, I in general, I really – I haven't seen a Marvel – I saw Spider-Man. Other than that, I haven't seen a Marvel movie since Endgame. I really pretty much – Picard season three is the only new stuff I have been watching. I really just watch old movies and old TV shows. Man, we just watched uh, Across 110th Street for our movie club, and it's just like, this is so refreshing. I mean, it's just a gritty, awful, like, violent movie, but it's just like, that that's what it was. And that neo noir. That's my thing. I can go on iTunes every week, and they have $5 movie specials. It'll be, they'll have a theme, right? Yeah. And I'll just go and I'll pick, oh, I, I've seen that. I haven't seen that in years. Ooh, that's one I've always wanted. You know, it's, 
This is I'm old enough to remember going to Blockbuster Video where that was just a rental. Now I can own it for five. Yeah. Bucks. Have you have you seen the mechanic with with Bronson? Of course I've seen. It. I actually watched it within the last eight months. Dude. That's a great, a great movie. Jan, Jan Michael Vincent. Jan Michael Vincent is a glorious dickhead. And then I made the fucking dude. I I watched the the remake and I love Jason Statham and I think Ben Foster is one of the greatest living actors. He's a good actor. Yeah. And I watched the remake after I watched the the, the Bronson one. I'm like, oh my god, we've just lost the ability to make movies like this right now. They're yeah, just, we don't. We, we don't make Charles Bronson anymore. We don't. We don't have actors like that anymore. We don't know how to breed as a country, though. Those guys all fought in war. Yeah. Right. Like those Lee Marvin, Charles Bronson. Like they, they, we, this is not what we make. And it's a problem. And it's it's we have it's why we have there. It's one of the reasons why there aren't really movie stars in the classic sense. So we have to import actors. It's this is an issue. And it's the, these um, I'll give you a good one if you haven't seen it. I had not seen this until this past year. It was five bucks on Apple. I can't imagine it's expensive. Um, it's called Executive Action. Have you ever seen this movie? No, I've seen Executive oh. Decision, of course. No, of course, yes. <laughs> no, this is Executive Action is from like the late 70s. Right, and it's, down. yeah, Burt Lancaster and Robert Ryan. And it was actually initiated by Donald Sutherland. And did you ever see JFK, the Oliver Stone movie? Yeah, of course. Okay. Donald Sutherland clearly knew something early, given the, the role he plays there and then his initiation of it. Something I'd love to talk to Donald. Clearly, he's like a studies this. Um, the Jim Garrison, who Costner played in JFK, his lead investigator is the consultant to this movie. This is a movie that basically is the here's the real story of why Kennedy was assassinated movie. And it's so scary in terms of the amount of stuff that has come out decades later sure. as being generally accurate to this movie. It is wild. Well, I can't wait it to is, watch it. Yeah, it is. It is. And you'll recognize some of the character actors for the assassins. And stuff. It is wild. I've never seen. I just it's, it was a I think a, it's in the Warner Brothers library. I don't believe it was a Warner's release originally. It was Robert Ryan's last movie. He looks like he's sick while he's shooting it. Um, but it's basically like, here's the story of how like the the um, the fixers and the Texas oil people and the CIA did it. It's like, here's how we did it. Here's how this goes. It's crazy. I'm going to inconvenience you because I'm going to insist that you do this. But we have a, 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 you know, we do a movie podcast at once. I'd say once every two weeks and we pick three movies and we, we read a book and we do all that. I, I'm Once a month, Jeff, I'm going to text you and I'm going to need you to just give us a movie to watch. Oh, I haven't Yeah, please. Happily. We have an open door. So it's, I, as, as by virtue of losing the 1991 NFC championship game as a Lions <laughs> fan to your team, I have to. It's an obligation. Unfortunately. What is the um, – What's the view in, about the sale, by the way, internally? Who do they think is buying the team? I don't think – here's what I think. Dan Snyder loves effing with people, and I don't think until it is done and it is announced, anybody should assume anything. And I, it's, it's almost foolish that people have forgotten who the guy is and how he operates. So God bless him. I, I am not nearly as involved as I was. I did sports talk radio here in town for, what, 15 years? Yeah, no, years. yeah, yeah. I, was, I did ESPN in LA, and I come from that world, so I have I respect uh, uh, that uh, how hard that job is. Well, my 15 minutes were if you want to Google uh, Dukes's Monday Night Football Eagles rant. That Quest Love kind of retweeted that, and I had my head popped up, and I got a bunch of interview requests, and kind of everybody they lost uh, five touchdowns. Mike Vick scored on Monday Night Football, and I just went nuts on the show the next day. I was doing it with Lavar Arrington, and uh, my level of passion has waned so dramatically since that moment. That it's fucking shocking. Well, try being a Lions fan, dude. <laughs>
hey man, not only do you have a cool head coach with a little Bill Coward jaw, but you've got you got talent in running back and wide receiver on. You got one of the best young defensive players we, in the game. We have skill, and I get that everybody likes that Dan Campbell. Okay, they but love the problem him. is I watch all of these games. He's got a little riverboat run in him, and the problem is if they get to the playoffs, a remotely capable X's and O's coach will eat him alive. You think so? That is the problem. You don't think it's Jared Golf? Is the pro- you don't think I, golf is the problem? No, I, golf is fine. Golf is never going to be a world beater, but like I wouldn't draft a quarterback this year. I think that's. I thought they're having uh, CJ Stroud's coming to visit. That's crazy. I, I assume that's for trade baiting or something. Like I, 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 golf was pretty good last year. I, I, he took a team to the Super Bowl. He's never going to have a rocket for an arm, but like as a stopgap measure, I'm. We live in a world where Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl. You know, um, what's his name with the with the uh, was the other dude with the Ravens? Uh, uh, oh, Joe Flacco. Flacco. So I mean, like it, Brad it, Johnson won a Super Bowl. I mean, there's, yeah, yeah, I know exactly. what you're saying. I know what you're exactly. saying. Exactly. So I'm not. I, I'm actually much more concerned about the coach in a getting caught in a in a by a more experienced hand than I am Goff. I, Goff, listen. Goff's been to a Super Bowl, which is better than a lot of the quarterbacks in the league can say. I'd rather have Goff than Kirk Cousins. I mean, I, I could say that right now. I don't think Kirk Cousins can win his way out of a wet paper bag. And I also but, let, let me say this as, as a Michigan State Spartan who likes him, I'd rather have Goff as well. Yeah, here's where I think you're wrong. Look at the final four quarterbacks last year, NSC AFC Championship game. It's Mahomes, it's Burrow, Josh Allen's always. I mean, the, the, we are in the era of the franchise quarterback yeah, and the haves and have nots. You need to be able to put up 60, 60 points a game to win a playoff game in yeah. that situation. Yeah. Are you going to be able to argue that? Joe Burrow can beat Pat Mahomes. How many other teams say they have a quarterback? That, uh, can, yeah. no, I mean, no, no, I can't. Listen, Stafford had the arm to do that. There's no question about yeah. that. I it's I just I still would have made the trade. I think in the long, again, I'm out here in LA, the Rams, LA is such a front running. It's unbelievable. <laughs> no, the minute they start losing, no, you watch the minute the Chargers are relevant, it's gonna be like we got Chargers fever. It's unbelievable. It's so pathetic. You want to talk about um, talented teams that have accomplished? I mean, how many years in a row have we picked this San Diego is gonna break out in the AFC West? And they, they, they I go, just like you call. I still call them San Diego as well. Oh, I just so did I like it, didn't every, I? Fuck. I, <laughs> well, I do it all the time, but it's it's no. I'm with you. It, but so we'll see. But I um listen at least at least. I, it's I've I've had I I had a Sunday ticket the 0 and 16 year okay wow so I've watched a lot of bad Lions football I'll take semi entertaining Lions football and I won't I won't feel too too uh, precious about it YouTube TV this year man we're gonna have a better product than that direct ticket at least it won't be uh, freezing up though. I know expensive but that's all for my Lions I'll do it I pay for things. I pay for things I like. Uh, follow yeah. him on Twitter at Podcats. He has the Headley Lamar profile pick. That's how I knew we'd be besties. And then, of course, Worldwide Cats on Instagram. The Pope's Exorcist in theaters today. Get your tickets. Go see it this weekend. Jeff, I'm going to need you to come back on the show in the very near future just to talk movies and football, my friend. You have an open door anytime, and I appreciate you all, all the advocacy for the film. We really appreciate it. One of the best guests we've had in a very long time. Jeff Katz, everybody, go see The Pope's Exorcist this weekend. It is The Chad Dukes Show. Everyone mark your calendars now as Commonwealth Dry Goods and The Chad Dukes Show have a big week for you to be a part of. On Thursday, April 27th, it's the return of the Rodcast with Big Shooter, Othello BT, and Handsome Matty Tube Sticks. On Friday, April 29th, we are having the third installment of the Chad Duke Show Short Story Contest with a Friday night hootenanny at 7 p.m. And on Saturday, April 29th, Commonwealth Dry Goods will be celebrating their five-year anniversary at the store. So stop on by for some of the great new items available. 
friendos, that was nearly an hour of unbelievably entertaining content with Jeff Katz. All I ask in return is that if you are going to buy or sell your home in the Northern Virginia area, you call my guy, Joe Azer. He is the Jeff Katz of real estate in Virginia. 571-989-Azer, 571-989-2937. He's helping me find a place down at the beach. He ain't even going to make no money off it. That's because he's just a good guy and he's got a passion for the business. Hell, he's helping the Great Falls Sasquatch potentially find a new place, a den for him to hoot and tree knock and throw boulders in. If he can help that guy, uh, he can help anybody. So even if you don't think maybe you want to put your house on the market, maybe you just want to know what it's worth or what the market looks like, how much money you could make, text Joe right now. I ask him about the Dan Snyder fucking selling the team. 571-989-Azer is the phone number. 571-989-2937. Joe Azer makes all things possible in the real estate market in the Northern Virginia area. Text him and tell him the shoot says hello.